Hello and welcome to Global Data Pod. I'm Nora Santivani and joining me today is Joe Lupton. Hi Joe, how are you? Hey Nora, how's it going? It's all good, it's all good. I wanted to catch you before you jet off to Europe next week um, yeah. to discuss uh, the very interesting research you and I have been writing, where our teams have been writing on debt service burdens globally. And so I, I thought it would be good to do a research wrap around this. Uh, you know, we, we've been having a lot of debates with clients and internally about whether we're going into recession, when that might happen, what sort of slowdown we should expect in the second half of the year. and you know, uh, we, we've been arguing that, you know, the recession effectively happens more through the business sector, but clearly there's some building drags here in the forecast coming from just the impact of rate hikes. And, and, and as that monetary tightening starts to gain traction through a rise in debt service burdens, that's going to weigh on potentially spending growth and contribute to the slowdown in global growth that we have. And, you know, kind of a key metric for gauging this sort of transmission from monetary policy tightening is the degree to which debt service costs are moving higher, right? Um, so maybe we want to start off by, you know, just taking stock of what's really been going on so far in terms of debt service ratios, what have they done over the past year as central banks have been hiking quite aggressively, what sort of pass-through have we seen from those hikes to debt service ratios. Do you want to do you want to start off on DM just to kind sure. of give a give a big picture of where we stand and how worried should we be at this point about what we're seeing? Yeah, I mean I, I think the, the 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 key takeaway is maybe not as worried as one might have thought if we were starting uh, a year ago and we were saying that central banks around the world were going to hike 500 basis points and that a key channel of transmission of monetary policy, of course, is going to be the impact on, on interest costs. And so you'd be right to be a little nervous uh, about things. Now, what what has happened over the past uh, year is that, yeah, of course, short rates have gone up. Um, debt servicing costs, and we should be clear that the debt servicing costs are your kind of all of your interest costs uh, as a share of income. Um, you know, debt servicing costs have gone up, you know, I, I don't know, maybe a percentage point, maybe a little less than a percentage point, uh, and really not moved all that much across the DM. They are edging higher, but not that much. Uh, now, I will say there's there's more to come, and I think the, what we've explored in this piece is that uh, you know it takes time for those interest costs to to work through, given the the, the nature of debt. But I think that the, the the key point to take away, as I said, is that uh, they've not moved up much, and and mm. while they will move up, I I don't think it's pretty. Uh, we're not talking about alarming levels by the time we get to to the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, just to add on that point on, on EM, I think, you know, we have seen a little bit of a bigger move up in, in EM than, than we have seen in DM. And I think that's partly a function of EM central banks having started rate hiking cycles sooner yeah. than, uh, than, than DM, like a good year before LATAM. So you guys were, were hiking like in 2021, right? So there's just been more time for those rate hikes to pass through into um, lending rates and debt service burden. So we have seen um, a sort of bigger move up, something like almost two percentage points uh, from, from the trough. But yeah, I mean, similar message to what you were um, laying out for DM is that the increases look, you know, still manageable. I mean, by historical standards, we're kind of getting back to the 
post-GFC 10-year average for EM. We don't have such a long time series for EM. I should also say that for EM, the debt service ratios we have are for the overall private sector. They're not just for the household sector and the data are a little bit more lagging. So the numbers we're talking about here are through the fourth quarter of last year. But I think the point to make is because EM started hiking you know, a good year before, we've actually seen much of the increases in rates having already passed through into the DSRs. Like we do think there's some more residual increases coming, but we're probably already like two thirds of the way through the rise in, in um, debt service ratios across the end. Whereas in DM, it feels like there's more to come, like maybe more of it gets lagged and is, is coming sort of later this year or maybe even next year. Yeah, I definitely, I, I think that's right. Uh, I think that the key point you hit there is just the, the degree to which the rate hiking cycle started a lot earlier. And I think that does suggest, I mean, I'm sure listeners are probably heard me say that, oh, we're not thinking much of a rise by the end of this year. But obviously, you know, as we move into next year, this should continue to, to push debt servicing costs up. And I and maybe let's just step back a little bit something about the structure of these debt service ratios and what drives them. Um, because that kind of sets in play like where we think we're going from here. And and we've identified uh, in you know across our research here that you know it's 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 kind of mechanical, right? Debt servicing costs are the interest rate times your your debt. And that as a share of income is interest rates times your debt to income ratio, which we often call leverage, right? And, and so as interest rates go up, your debt servicing costs go up as a function of whether your debt to income ratios are higher. Now that's one factor is where, what's the level of debt to income ratio. Another factor is the structure of debt, which is like how, how does that debt, uh, what's the uh, maturity structure of it? Uh, is it fixed rate, float, floating rate? And those two, I think, are, are very key factors that kind of drive some of the, the differences in outcomes. And what we've, we've kind of discovered, not surprisingly, is that these uh, you know, debt servicing costs do vary quite a bit. And the movements in debt servicing costs do vary quite a bit, depending on those two factors, i.e. debt to income ratio and uh, the, the kind of the fixed versus floating rate maturity structure of, uh, of the debt. And so, the, I mean, well, we won't go into it too much, but I can say like within the developed markets, you know, the U.S. stands out as having the most fixed rate debt and that therefore we have not seen much of a move at all in the U.S. and maybe won't even see as much movies even as we move into next year. But then you have countries like the Scandies or Australia or Canada where both debt to income ratios are higher and they're more linked to kind of shorter term uh, shorter term debt. And so the, the DSRs have certainly moved up a bit more there. One would expect you know, that, you know, in the U.S., you might get more of a move as we move into next year, while the others will start to, to peak out at higher levels. So that's the structure for the DM. I assume, Nora, for, for your kind of set of countries, it's a similar dynamic, right? You have that type of variation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in EM as well, there's a fair amount of variation. As you say, it's sort of um, function of three things, right? How much have central banks hiked rates? What's the leverage? What's the sort of credit to GDP or credit to debt to income ratio across countries. And also what's the share of floating versus fixed rate debt. So these are the three dimensions we have to think about. And on all three dimensions, there's quite a lot of variation across EM countries. 
on average or on aggregate, what I would say is EM generally has a higher share of floating rate debt versus, versus DM. And there's, you know, a group of countries, especially in EM Asia, where we have like 75% of their private sector loans are actually floating rates. So the transmission is very quick. You know, you might have a country like Korea where, you know, Bank of Korea, it's not like they've hiked more than anyone else, but the, just the fact that they have such a high share of floating rate debt, you know, 75%, and the fact that they have high leverage, you know, household debt to GDP, you know, 100%, it means that you've had actually a pretty big rise in DSRs in Korea, which is in a country that you would have thought initially, you know, would have seen such a big increase in DSR. Then you have a country like Brazil, which doesn't have a particularly high rate of floating rate debt or leverage, but it just had massive interest rate hikes, right? So Brazil's DSR is up at like 27%, right? It's, it's actually the, the highest one in, um, in EM and has had the biggest outright increase as well since the trough. We're almost up nine percentage points on the DSR um, for, for Brazil. You know, Hungary is another one where we've seen a pretty big jump in the debt service ratio, five percentage points. Again, mainly has to do with uh, the size of the, the cumulative rate hikes being uh, quite substantial. In the rest of EM, you know, the increases in DSRs have been pretty moderate. And again, that will reflect either relatively low leverage or just very modest rate hikes. Remember, there is, we've had a group of um, EM rate hike laggards, which uh, started hiking much later um, and, and I've also hiked less cumulatively, and that's mainly EM Asia, South Africa. And, you know, there the increases in DSRs have been very modest, like less than 0.5 percentage points uh, from the trough. But maybe, Joe, it's worth taking a step back a little bit to talk uh, uh, sort of from a historical perspective. Um, what what um, I think um, I found striking when I read uh, your DM notes on, on DSRs is actually relative to history, uh, both leverage and DSRs look pretty contained. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that definitely is the, the sense of, um, I guess maybe, I guess you could call it optimism or generally constructive view on this that, that we have is, is really based on the, the historical perspective. And, that, and it, in a sense that when we look at the, the post GFC period, right, that was kind of a, a I think it's fair to say it was a lackluster recovery, right? And the, the, the reason it was lackluster, because the, the phrase everyone talked about was this was a balance sheet recession, right? The GFC was a balance sheet recession. And those are very hard and long to, to, to kind of get out of. Um, but through that period, what was happening, the reason it took a long time to get through was because households were delevering. Right, they they came into the GFC with huge amounts of leverage, and when rates went up, there was a high degree of sensitivity to that. And we went through a very deep downturn. We had a very sluggish recovery as households were delevering. That was the unfortunate part. The good part is that now le leverage is kind of back to where it was. I would say in the early 2000s across not not all countries. I think you know certainly. Um, I mentioned, uh, you know, a couple like the, 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 the Scandies um, and the, um, uh, you know, the Scandies, Canada, uh, Australia leverage is, is a bit higher. But I think when you look across the major uh, develops, U.S., uh, Euro area, U.K., uh, levels of leverage have actually drifted lower over the past uh, kind of the past decade. Um, and that puts us in a better position to tolerate these, the, the rate increases. Um, that coupled with the more f 
kind of fixed rate debt, I think is, um, is, you know, puts us in a, just a much better position. I'd also emphasize a lot of the, the work that we did in the DM version of this was kind of model based. We, we don't know the actual share of fixed versus floating rate. We certainly don't have the time series of that. So we kind of crudely estimate this. I think it's a, a bit of a clever framework, but it is crude in terms of how we're trying to capture that dynamic. Uh, and what that assumes then is that the historical average has not shifted. UK is actually a case where it has shifted dramatically in terms of the number of households mm -hmm. that used to have very um, much more uh, floating rate debt and has shifted uh, shifted that out. It's nowhere near the US, but certainly has shifted that out a lot. And it's one of the reasons I think we're seeing kind of less increase in debt servicing ratio than you would otherwise have expected to see if this were 10 years ago, both because the debt to income ratio, but also because that uh, that share has changed some. So uh, that's yeah. a little bit of the wrinkle in our analysis. It's, uh, it's just similar to yours because you're using a similar methodology. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, just just on the UK quickly, I mean, in, in client conversations, a lot of clients actually had to do a double take of the DSR for the UK, just the fact that it has it barely budged, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and as you say, like a lot of that, it's, it's two things, really. One of them is that like only 30% of households have a mortgage to begin with. The mortgage stock itself is smaller because of the deleveraging, to your point. And then like 60% of the stock is fixed rate. People are sitting on five-year fixed rate mortgages. And, and as you say, that's up from you know, 40, 50% before. And, and our UK economist, Alan Monks, has done some really good analysis looking at this. But what that means is that it just takes a much longer time for these rate hikes to pass through. Alternatively, central banks need to hike more and to a higher level to have the same sort of impact on the debt service ratio that they would have done. Yeah. Um, had yeah, yeah exactly. I think that's really key there, Nora, right? I mean, I, that, that point about central banks potentially needing to do more. And there's a lot of talk about where neutral rates are uh, in these economies. And when we talk about the shifting nature of, of balance sheets and we talk about the health of balance sheets, not just households, but also in the corporate sector, which in a sense, your analysis has the corporate sector in there, as you said, all of this general healthy backdrop that's a good thing in some sense, but it does mean neutral rates are higher. And that suggests that central banks may need to push the brakes more. And that's been a big theme of ours since the start of the year. And frankly, I think it's played out fairly, fairly well. I think the, the work that you and I are doing in this area is really backfilling some of the, the reasons why that view is playing out, that central banks are probably going to have to do more. Yeah. Um, I mean, for yeah, I'm just going back on the leverage point. Um, I mean, outside of China, you know, fairly moderate credit growth, um, like I'm talking about the sort of pre-pandemic, uh, post-GFCP pandemic uh, period, you know, fairly moderate credit growth, fairly low borrowing co cost at that time, rising debt maturities, all of those contributed to only very modest increases in debt service ratios. Leverage was going up over this period, so that's a contrast to what you're saying in DM. So EM leverage actually has been on a rising trend, but debt service generally remained contained, as I say, because debt maturities were, were rising and, and, and also we had just um, you know, low interest to income um, uh, ratios. So yeah, that, that over the past year or two, as I said, that, that has sort of shifted. And we're kind of with the forecasted increase in DSR between end of last year and 
end of end of this year, so over 2023, we kind of get back to the peaks, the 2015 peak in EMDSRs. Uh, that we've seen. Now we're still sort of calling this manageable, partly because we're kind of combining it with uh, the view we have on still strong private saving buffers and you know this overall health of balance sheets that we're talking about. We're combining it with the view of um, you know falling inflation. So all of these are actually helping household positions, right? Right now, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of pain for the household sector, right? You're saying debt service burdens are contained, inflation is falling, we've got this excess savings. So it just, it doesn't feel like in the near term, we're gonna get a huge negative impact overall from this and then channel. on top of it, for your region, we have rate cuts coming up. So it's like, you yes. know, for the DM, we could say, oh, <laughs> we probably have more hikes coming and we think there's more coming across. Correct you know, 25 to 50 in the U.S., uh, 50 from ECB, 75 from Bank of England. There's this rate, uh, this uh, degree of more more fixed rate debt means that the, the DSRs will keep gradually moving higher. Yes. In All of that suggests kind of continued pain, even if I would still argue quite manageable, but still more pain. Your region is interesting, right? Because You've got these cuts that should be coming. You mentioned falling inflation is helping. Is are we are we through the worst of it across your region? Yeah. Well, look. Um, yeah, it certainly feels like on the DSRs, as I mentioned, I think the bulk of the rise is probably already done. And as I say, we have data to through the fourth quarter of last year, but probably if we extend for middle of this year, most of the increase is behind us. Market short-term market rates have actually been falling in EM in the first half of the year, right? So actually the, the question that is being now raised is whether EM households and businesses could start to benefit from a drop in DSRs. Now, I don't think it's as quick as that because as we've discussed, there's some lags in the mechanism so that at least in the near term through the you know, second half of this year, we're going to continue to see some increases in DSRs even in EM, but those increases look fairly modest, right? We're talking a 0.7 percentage point residual remaining increase through 2023 compared to a two percentage point that's already happened. And um, the only country in EM where we actually have a big jump is Turkey, right? Because they're hiking now <laughs> quite aggressively. But that really stands out. Um, it's very much an outlier. Everywhere else, we are talking um, 0.3, 0 0.5, like these are these are pretty modest uh, remaining rises in DSR. So, um, you know, without sounding too positive on EM, it sounds like uh, you know the worst could actually be over from this channel. Yeah. For much yeah. much of EM, for much of EM. Um, I'd throw in another caveat as well that is, I, I guess, on the more constructive side, and and that is to also not forget that when rates are moving up you know, interest income is also going up, right? And, and I, I get this question a lot, I'm sure you do, because we, we, we go out there and we talk about these debt servicing costs and the impact and so forth. But you always get that question that kind of throws me for a little bit of a loop. It's like, well, hold on a second. What about the interest income that's coming? A lot of households hold hold interest bearing securities and, and that's going up. And that's true. And in, in the latest piece that we put out, we looked at the U.S. in particular and, you know, debt servicing costs in the U.S. are probably running about 1.9 trillion, uh, but interest income is running about 1.8 trillion. So 
uh, obviously it's the delta that matters and those have moved up. If you look at, you know, costs, less interest income in the US, it's gone from kind of the net of that has gone from about minus 0.3% of income up to about plus 0.4% of income. So there's definitely a shift towards rising burdens, but the rising interest income does does temper yeah. that to some extent. Um, I think I think for the UK there was even um, a statistic that um, actually the the rise in interest income has actually exceeded the rise in the debt service burden to date, right? Just because of this increasingly fixed nature of the mortgages, and I'm sure that's going to change over time. But for the time being, at least through say the middle of the year. Um, there, as, as we've said, like there hasn't just there hasn't been that much pain through the debt service burden. And especially certainly, if you, if you throw in the the corporate sector, business sector, definitely yeah. that's been a big part of uh, you know interest income of, of businesses has also gone up. Obviously, you know the loans, cost of loans, and everything has gone up. But a lot of corporates were sitting on cash, and that interest income has has played out nicely. Now I'm going to sound like the three handed, four handed economist here. I will say a caveat to that caveat is that the reallocation of income from high marginal propensity consume borrowers to low marginal propensity consume lenders uh, does impact the, the overall impact on the, the, the economy. And so I, I don't wanna get too carried away with this yeah. this point, but it is definitely is a little bit of a tempering force. Yeah, exactly. And, and the same thing with all this excess savings argument, like who is actually holding that excess savings, right? We've been saying that it's maybe the wealthier, people who are less inclined to spend it, right? So as you say, like, I think it matters a, a lot where um, where, the, where these excess savings are and also um, the distribution as well of um, the interest income. And... Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, what else do we need to talk about here, Joe? I mean, 2024 obviously is going to be the sort of big question, breaking breaking point, right? <laughs> um, and actually one of the comments um, to the pieces we've written is that yes, you're showing these moderate increases um, as we've said through uh, much of 2023, but then could things become a little bit more explosive? I think was the word that was used um, going into next year. Um, I mean, how much more pressure could we get from this going forward. Um, I mean, right now we're, we're putting a, a fairly benign uh, spin on things. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I think it's gonna be gradual moving. I, I think as, as one of the things you see, at least in a lot of the, the, the work that we're doing now, now these are the model-based estimates, but it's, um, it's that these things generally move slowly. Uh, they do move up though, so it's a fair point to, 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 to say that I would think in the developed markets, these are gonna keep, uh, these are gonna keep rising. Um, and I think in the case of the US, you know, if you were to look at the, the estimate, the initial hit to DSRs from a movement up in, in interest rates, uh, you know, it probably will at least, you know, maybe more than mm. double more than uh, certainly more than double by the time you get to next year, but the yeah. moves are still relatively modest. So, um, you know, my sense is that, you know, for the developed markets, at least in particularly these slower moving ones that it's, it will move up gradually, but uh, not to the point where 
this is going to be the, the deciding factor in terms of what drives the, the, the consumer to its needs. The labor market's holding up. It's going to be more than enough to, to uh, tolerate this. And if it's not, right, if the labor market is kind of crapping out, that's going to be because you've generated the recession that the Fed is presumably trying to create here, and rates will be coming down at that point. And that's how business cycles work. So I, I, I think you said it nice up front, which is this isn't really going to be the deciding factor for the cycle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to close things off on, on EM as well, um, you know, I, I've been sounding quite optimistic and we've painted this benign picture where much of the rise in DSR is behind us. But it's important to note that we actually do need a pretty big drop and maybe even further drop in short term market rates to stop DSRs from rising further. So there's still this residual increase um, that's coming. Um, and again, we've had a couple of countries with fairly large falls in um, short-term market rates, you know, Hungary, Brazil, Poland, Korea, Czech, like all of these have fallen over the first half of the year. Um, but again, the sort of persistence in these DSR models suggests that you need like at least 100 basis point fall, like you need a bigger fall in market rates to completely counter the, the sort of persistence in, in, in the, this, this rise through the remainder of the year. Um, so we shall see to what extent those falls in market rates continue um, going forward. But yeah, so I, I, think, I think overall, as you say, the message is that um, we've seen increases, but so far things look, uh, things look pretty manageable. And um, in EM, the bulk of the rise is behind us. In DM, I think there's more pain to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and potentially a lot more if rates go up a lot yes. higher, right? I mean, you know, that, that could be where we're missing. And it's certainly been a view we've been pushing is that rates probably need to go up. And, and then for, 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 for the EM, I, I should just emphasize that the big call we have is there's this decoupling between EM and DM policy rates, right? So we've got a bunch of LATAM countries starting to cut rates um, starting this month yeah. <laughs> and through August and, and then... Um, you know, some of the C guys jump on the bandwagon in Q1. So, um, you know, we do have this um, sort of near-term decoupling. Um, and that's the assumption underlying these differences. Yep. Okay. Um, shall we leave it there? Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Joe, for good joining talking, me. Nora. Um, and thank you to our listeners. And we look forward to continuing the conversation on the next Global Data Pod.